Thanks for checking out the One Church podcast today. If you are new to One Church and want to learn more about us, you can always check us out at imonechurch.com. Or we would love for you to stay connected throughout your week and everywhere you go with the Church RC app. Available for free anywhere you can download your apps. Now here's special guest, Chuck King. Let's pray. Father, it's not by might or power. It's by your spirit. Father, we welcome your spirit in its fullness here today. We pray that you'll have your way. Father, as I proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ, which is the greatest privilege I've ever had in my life, Lord, utilize it to touch the ears of those who have ears to hear this morning. Lord, I pray that your kingdom will come and your will be done in this place at this moment, this time, and in this people. And I pray that in the mighty name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Amen. Amen. Well, as Pastor Brian so graciously uh, introduced me, <clears throat> I'm sorry, I'm an old coach. So I'm going to probably act like an old coach, and I'm going to probably talk like an old coach, because, ladies and gentlemen, one of the greatest things you can discover in life is not what you're not. That's the first thing. Understand who you're not. And I'm not Pastor Brian. Okay? Revelation hit me a long time ago that I'm not that. But I am a coach. Okay? So I'm going to be a coach this morning. I want to encourage you. If it hurts your feelings this morning as I try to coach you, come see Pastor Brian, Pastor Crystal. They'll take care of you. I don't have a lot of empathy sometimes, so forgive me, okay? But understand that's how God raised me. The greatest tragedy in life is not death. The greatest tragedy in life is not death. It's dying with potential still left inside of you. That's the greatest tragedy I've found in life. You know, as a coach, I deal with potential. I'm constantly scouring the assets of my program, which were individuals, trying to discover what they had to offer. The amazing thing that transformed me many years ago as a coach I was in Rockwall, Texas. I'm assistant coach. I'm young. I'm wet behind the ears. Our first year there, we weren't going to be really very good. That's why they brought a new staff in. We all come in. We go through a couple of days of workout. We all come into the coach's office. We're sitting there, and all you hear is griping. We call it critiquing, but we were griping. We're all griping about what we could not do. We were slow. We were small and not very aggressive. That's not a good sign as a football coach, okay? So we're sitting there grappling, and all of a sudden, the mentor in my life in the coaching field, James Cameron, walked in, and he slammed his big hand down on that desk. Boom! Got everybody's attention. He said, men, it doesn't take a coach to know what we can't do. Anybody can see what we can't do. What your job and my job is, we got to find out what these kids can do. Ladies and gentlemen, your God is not about what you can't do. Jesus didn't come to die and then bury you in your sin. He came to set you free, the word says, to be all he created you to be. He didn't create me to be Pastor Brian. He He didn't create Pastor Brian to be me. 
We both have our parts. We both have our responsibilities. The most important thing that we can do is discover our identity that Christ created us to be. Why? Because if we'll do that under his lordship and his leadership, ladies and gentlemen, you're going to die empty. I'm going to tell you, he's going to strain everything out of your life he can possibly do before you're out of here. Why? Because your life is about so many others. Now, we live in a world and a culture that it's all about me if you haven't noticed, okay? Even in the athletic field, which I've dealt with quite a bit, it's the toughest thing to get a kid through sometimes is to understand it's not about me. I had a young man, he, he doesn't mind me talking about him. His name was Caleb Miller. Kind of one of the greatest gifted white athletes I ever coached in my life. Well, we made a discovery about Caleb. He had been a quarterback all the way through the middle school and all that kind of stuff. But we discovered during practice all this kind of, he was naturally aggressive and fast and tall and lanky and all this kind of stuff. And he just had a nose for the ball. And we realized that he might be better at another position. So we made that distinct, uh, I guess, definitive decision to move him. Well, immediately, mom and dad come to see me because they're concerned about their child. Praise God for parents who care about their children. We live in an age where a lot of parents abandon their kids. Praise God you care about your child. So it didn't bother me. I was so glad they came to see me because we could explain to them why we made this decision. You know, the amazing thing is it's taking time to communicate to each other as an individual, to love each other where we're at and understand where each other's coming from. We need that in our world today, okay? We're not always right. I'm not always right. I'm close, but not always. (laughs) Those two great people said, Coach, if that's what you and your staff believe, then we're going to line up with it. He became an all-state player, recruited the University of Arkansas, became the second all-time leading tackler in the history of the University of Arkansas, all-Southeast Conference, and was drafted by the Cincinnati Bengals as a linebacker. I'm going to tell you this morning, I don't know why God's taking me here because this is just my intro. Uh, God's taking me here because somebody here needs, you need to hear this. I've learned to trust the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit wants somebody to hear this. It's not about what you can't do. It's about letting God help you discover what you can do. And some of you have been beaten down by the world so much and told that you can't you can't do this and all you can't. Your family has wore you out. Jesus came that I might have life and have it more abundantly. He didn't come to starve me. Because he wants to feed me. Because why? Because he wants to feed you this morning. He's been feeding me all my life, maybe for this moment. To feed you this morning, this word. That God is for you, not against you. That God's not about containing you. He's about setting you free to be all he created you to be. So that's my introduction. Suppose Shakespeare, suppose Shakespeare died having never reached his potential. Macbeth would have never, would have been buried with him. Suppose Michelangelo died before he painted the Sistine Chapel. Suppose that Mozart had died with all the music he created inside himself. Suppose Thomas Edison 
passed away before he invented the light bulb. We'd be sitting in darkness today. He failed over 2,000 times. And, they, and a reporter asked him, said, did you ever think about quitting? He said, never. I just realized that was 1,499th way of not being able to create light. Now you see what that is? That was who he was. Chuck Keen, I'd have quit on number two. I'd probably quit on number one because I wasn't created for that. Woo, baby, come on, Holy Spirit. What if Moses had died before he saw the burning bush? What if the apostle Paul died before he met Jesus on the Damascus Road? What if Abraham died before Isaac was conceived? It's a fact. What kind of effect would that have had on Scripture? Baby. Suppose Martin Luther died before he wrote the thesis and nailed it to the, the church door. What if Charles Wesley passed on before he wrote the many hymns he did for the church? What if John Wycliffe died before translating the Bible into English? What kind of effect would that have on the church today? Woo, baby, come on. Can you imagine how many works and inventions are buried in a cemetery not far from here? People died with their their desire inside of them. See, the word says God will give you desire and he will give you the desire of your heart. Now, I'm sorry. I get a little emotional. But this is so important today. I feel it all. It's running from the bottom of my feet to the top of my head. Somebody here, you're, you're, you've relegated God to a box. You've relegated him to a religion. It's about a relationship. It's about you and him hooking up and you becoming all he craved you to be. Why? Because your life is about so many others. Your life is not just about you. Got to catch my breath. I'm not as young as I used to be. What is our challenge Our challenge is to make our place in the world better because we are here. I want to challenge you not to rob your family, your church, your community, your state, your nation, your world. By by keeping your potential hidden through fear, doubt, and unbelief. That's what the word says. The enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. How does he do it? Fear, doubt, and unbelief. He wants you to fear. The greatest fear I had in my life was standing before people. I wouldn't even stand up in front of a class all the way to my senior year in high school. I wouldn't stand up in class. I'd take zeros. I was on that stay eligible track. I really wasn't working on the honors program. My wife did that. I, me, I was just trying to stay eligible. So if I could pass on standing up in front of a class and reciting poetry or whatever, I'd pass. Because I just wanted to pass so I could play on Friday night. Well, lo and behold, I had a senior English teacher. She was an intimidating woman, about four foot eleven. Probably weighed about 85, 99 pounds. I don't know, she was tiny. But man, she had me intimidated. But she spent a whole year of her life getting me out of that. Here I am today. You tell me God doesn't have a purpose for your life? You tell me that God don't want to get you out of that box you're living in? God wants to, he wants, and ladies, he, he didn't reveal to me then I'd be doing this. Yeah. He, he knows that I would have run and hid. Come on. Yeah. Come on. You intimidate me. 
I'm 66 years old and you still intimidate me. And I don't even know you. (laughs) Who are you really? The world will tell you, you're just a step above an ape. You know, the apes got together and all this kind of stuff. You know, I, I sat in a school system, you know, public school system for 40 some odd years, and they're still selling that you're just a step above an ape. Nothing special. I happened to read the Bible one day, and God said, you're just a step below the Lord God Almighty. Baby, you talk about a light in my fire. When I discovered that God had created me in his image and empowered me with his spirit and that had been robbed from us through deception. And then Jesus shows up on the scene and gets it all right again because Jesus came to set the captive free. He came to set you free to be all God created you to be. Oh, I know you got your doubts this morning. I know you got your doubts. That's why you're here. I ask you this question. Why is God important in your life? You may show up today, you just kind of see what's going on. He may not not be important in your life. If for no other reason, then you and I need his perspective about who we are. We need to get God's perspective about who, who he created us to be. That's what the word's all about. That's why Jesus died. Jesus died to take care of all that you couldn't do and all the bad stuff, you, all the selfish stuff you've done. He took care of That's taken care of. Past, present, future. He just asked you to recognize that, honor that, and then let's lock, let's lock up, baby, let's go. Let's go make it happen. When no one else, not even his own mom and dad saw it, God sent the prophet Samuel to verify that he had been seen, that he had seen a king and a shepherd boy named David. Why is the Holy Spirit important in a follower of Jesus' life? Because most of us are like David's daddy, Jesse. We look, but we don't see. He brought every other boy in there in that tent. And the prophet stood there and said, is this all your sons? He said, well, I got, I got a boy out there keeping sheep. Well, send for him. Last thing on Jesse's mind was that David would be the king. Everybody else in the house was ranked above David. See, that's the God you, that's the God I serve. That's the God that wants to set you free. Why is the Holy Spirit important in our life? He'll help you see stuff. You... Genesis 1, 26 through 27, it says, Then God said, Let us, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, make man in our own image according to our likeness, not physical, but a spiritual personality and moral likeness, and let them have complete authority over the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, the cattle, and over the entire earth, and over everything that creeps and crawls on the earth. So God created man in his own image, in the image and likeness of God. He created him male and female. He created them. What is your value this morning? According to this word, your value is priceless. Above silver or gold, anything that man adds value to, you are worth, you are priceless in God's eyes. Why? Because God himself has given you and I, his spirit, 
By the forgiveness we we receive through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. He's reconnected us to the Father. To find the purpose of something, look at the mind of the inventor, not his invention. Quit looking at the stuff around you to find your purpose. You're not going to find it in other people. You're not going to find it in cattle. You're not going to find it in nice cars. Oh, I like nice cars. You're not going to find it in fame, fortune. Men, you're not going to find it in females. Women, you're not going to find it in a man. That was free. The key to your life is in the source of life. It is essential that you understand this. If you are going to tap into your true, purposeful, and full potential, everything that exists came out of God and proceeded out of his creative spirit. God is the source of everything. Now, the world's going to tell you everything but that. I've lived in it for 66 years. Trust me. They're going to try to sell you on everything. It's like a used car salesman. This baby will run fine. Just don't look at the dents on the side or the motor under the hood. In John 1, 1 through 3, it says, In the beginning, before all time was the Word, Christ and the Word was with God, and the Word was God himself. He was continually existing in the beginning, co-eternally with God. All things were made and came into existence through him, and without him, not even one thing was made that has come into being. God does not only have potential, he is potential, and he's the source of all potential. God wanted to multiply. You ever thought about it? God wanted to multiply. So he chose man. So he chose you and me. Life is about multiplication. Everything in life is about multiplying. If you're running a business, man, and you're not raising up a young fellow that's got an aptitude to do what you're doing, your, your business will die when you die. <laughs> Pastor Brian raising a church. If he doesn't raise up young men underneath him, that one day one will step into his, step into his whoever it may be, God will say, then this church will die. Whatever you're involved in, the greatest thing about what I did in my life following Jesus, it, it really is. My wife can attest to this. Every job I've, when he's told me it's time to walk away, when I walked away, I had favor in my life to where I chose the next person. And it prospered. And it prospered. Obedience is better than sacrifice. God doesn't need you to me and sacrifice for him. Jesus sacrificed. What he's got us to do is believe him. Trust his word above our own understanding. The word says, lean not to your own understanding. All your ways acknowledge him. How do we acknowledge him? Trust his word. Take his word and just live by his word. And if he sees his word, you know what God's drawn to? He's drawn to his word. Why? Because he created it. And he sees your word coming alive in your life. God, you don't have to worry about God walking with you. He'll be right in you. He'll be right next to you. He'll be all over you. Why? Because he lives. He lives and breathes to proclaim his word and make his word manifest. John 12, 23 through 24, and Jesus answered them, The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified and exalted. I assure you and most solemnly say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. Just one grain, never more. But if it dies, it produces much grain and yields a harvest. Angus McGillery, you probably never heard of him. 
He's one of the most consequential guys. He's kind of like you and me. The world's passing on and don't know a whole lot about him, but Angus was a prisoner of war in World War II with the Japanese prison camp. There was a, a show that was produced called The Bridge Over the River Kwai. And in that, it, it's about some Americans, the British, and Australian prisoners of war that the Japanese would take forced labor, build railroads, build bridges, and all this kind of stuff. Angus was in that group. Angus was a Scottish boy. In the camp, they had developed a deal where they had a buddy system where you had, I was responsible to Pastor Brian, Pastor Brian's responsible to me. We were to take care of each other, encourage each other, all that, to try to stay alive. Well, they were having a problem because every guy in the camp, it was kind of like, as the guy said, during that period of time, everybody, it was just like people steal from each other. People try to get the best of each other. People try to take things away from me. It was, a, it was just all, it's all about me type mentality. But the one guy stood out in the group was a guy by the name of Angus. During this period of time, Angus's buddy got extremely sick. Well, Angus began to find ways, every way he could serve that guy to help him try to make it because that was his buddy. He wanted his buddy to make it. And so he, he, he took it, the only quilt he had and took it to his buddy and put that quilt on him on top of his own quilt. The guy says, Angus, I can't take your quilt. He said, oh, oh I got an extra one. I got an extra one. He put it on him. Wow. Every day they get fed about once, once a day. Oh, very, very, every once in a while they might get twice. But most of the time it's once a day. Angus would take most everything he had and take it to his buddy. And his buddy said, oh, no, I can't take it. Angus said, oh, oh, I got extra. I got extra. This goes on for weeks that turns into a month or two. People knew what it was going on because in camp, everything, you know, word gets around. But just so behold, hey, through his care, his buddy starts improving. His health gets better, and he comes back, and he's almost full health. And all of a sudden, one day, Angus, boom, hits the ground. A couple of guys with medical skills checked Angus out, made the determination that Angus had died of malnutrition. See, Angus had made his buddy more important than his life, his own life. Something miraculous happened in that prisoner war camp. To the man, they testified that something happened that day when Angus laid his life down. Because all of a sudden, people began to look at each other differently. Through that, they developed a hospital. The guys that had a doctor skill or any kind of medical skill of any kind, they began to... They made a hospital. There's a guy in camp that basically could make anything out of wood. So he began to make musical instruments because there were some guys in the camp that had a desire. They wanted to put together an orchestra. Can you imagine a prisoner of war camp? Well, it just so happens when that word got out, they discovered that a guy in the camp had been a musical conductor. So in time and process, they put an orchestra together. Well, through the orchestra, everybody started getting a little encouragement. You know, music does something. They not only developed a hospital, they developed a university. They developed a library. They began to have classes and teach. Guys that were gifted to teach taught. Guys that were gifted to do certain things began to do certain things. All of a sudden, they took their focus off of being a prisoner of war. And all of a sudden, they began to think about what, what can I do for each other? What can I do to help? There's a guy in the group that was a believer. He got an idea for a church. So they created a church with no walls. 
They'd meet every Sunday and have church. Orchestra would play. They'd sing. They won Japanese guards to Jesus that were standing on the outside guarding them because they heard the gospel for the first time in their life. It's not about your circumstances. God will use you wherever you are if you're willing, if you'll let your talent come out. What happened was an awesome illustration of the potential unleashed when one person actually gave his life away. There's a little boy that was walking down the shoreline in the ocean one morning. He was there on vacation with his family. And he got out there early morning. He loved getting up early like most kids do. I just spent a week with my grandkids. Trust me. They love early morning. Right, baby? They love early morning. So grandma and grandpa, we're up early, okay? So we tried to slip off every once in a while, kind of get an extra wink at night, but Make a long story short, little boy's out there. He looked down that seashore and he saw starfish as far as his eyes could see. Been stranded on the evening tide. Man, he had to do something about it. So he got down off the steps, walked down, and he started picking up starfish, chunking them back in the ocean. Pick up the next one, chunk it back in the ocean. Well, there happened to be this old man sitting off to the side over there, oh, sitting on the sand just there early morning, watching the sun come up. And he... He looked at that little boy and saw what the boy was doing. And he looked down that beach and he saw thousands of starfish. So being experienced, full of wisdom, he walked over to that little boy and said, little boy, he said, son, what are you doing? Well, you can imagine what the little boy thought. The little boy looked at him and thought, come on, man, you can see what I'm doing, you know. He said, sir, I'm throwing starfish back in the ocean, being respectful like he'd been brought up. And the man looked at him and said, don't you know what you're trying to do is impossible? It makes no difference. You ever heard that before? Little boy looked at him, thought for a minute, reached around, grabbed a starfish, chunked it. Looked at the man and said, no respect, disrespect, sir. But it made a difference to that one. What you and I, the mission that God has us on, may seem impossible. In the culture we live in today, it may seem improbable. But it's all about our perspective. It's all about our perspective. And God wants you today to look with his eyes and see life and see man as he saw him. See, Jesus was amazing. He said, Jesus said, when you see me, you've seen the Father. So the father took a group of guys he'd been preaching all day, gets in a boat, and they track across an inland sea. And what's he going after? He's going after a guy in a cemetery that's shackled. It's crazy. Flat crazy. He takes all those people, loads them up, goes through a storm, has to calm the sea to get everybody's nerves settled get them to the other side, get out of the boat, and they walk into a cemetery after one guy? Give me a break. This God in the flesh, what's he doing? He found that one guy 
and he set that guy free. That guy was so appreciative, he said, let me go with you. And Jesus turned and said, no, no, your place is here. I set you free for here. Everybody wants to walk with Jesus. They just don't want to be where he tells them to be, do what he tells them to do. What happened through that? Church history, when the apostles began to spread out and spread the gospel, they found church after church after church after church after church in communities around there. They attributed to that man that was crazy living in tombs. That's the Jesus I serve. He walked through Samaria. Oh, I think I'll go there. He walked through Samaria. Now, what is God in the flesh doing in Samaria? He's a Jew by birth. He's not supposed to be there. He's after one lady. Really a prostitute. That nobody else really cared about. That's the God that I'm talking about this morning. God knows where you are. He knows what you're going through. He knows your circumstance. He knows your situation. He knows what you're struggling with as an individual. He knows your sin. He knows that secret sin that nobody else knows. You know what I'm saying? That one that you just, boy, man, if everybody knew this, whoa, baby. You tell the world, what is the world going to do for you? They'll, do, they'll treat you like they did Judas. Judas, you know, when he turned Jesus in. I still believe to this day, if Judas would have come to Jesus, run back to Jesus, get on his knees, say, Jesus, I wronged you. Just like Peter did. What would Jesus have done? Oh, man, Jesus, you sorry, dog. You deserve what you get. No, no. He'd have treated him just like he did Peter, the guy that denied him three times. He said, you know what, Judas? You're forgiven, bro. So I want to encourage you today. If God cares about people like that so much, he cares about everyone in this room, everyone in this community, everyone in the surrounding communities. What we've got to do is just we've got to get God's perspective about who we are and what he wants to do in our life and live through us. Ladies and gentlemen, there's no limit to the ability in this room. There is no limit. The only limit will be what the enemy can cause you to fear, doubt, and unbelief about. That will be the only limitation. Those of you who fought, have accepted Christ, boom, baby, you're empowered already. His Spirit is there for you. Grab a hold of the Spirit, grab a hold of the Word, and let's rock and roll, baby. It's all about one. I'm going to end with this story. Billy was a boy that never heard the message of Jesus, but he heard there was a speaker in town, and Pastor Denver tells this story, and I'm going to rob it from you, Pastor Denver, or bar, let's say borrow it. <laughs> Billy went to see, hear this speaker at this church. gets there. Man, it's packed, baby. There's no seat to be found. And so he's fixed to turn and walk out, and there's an elderly man that had been nothing more than an usher all his life. He saw that little boy, and he, he said, son, where are you going? He says, ah, there's no place to sit. He says, son, I got a seat for you. He took little Billy and he walked him back down that aisle and he found a seat. He, he placed him right there. That night, Billy heard the message of Jesus Christ, the hope that he offered. 
And Billy made the decision in his life to take Jesus and take him at his word and to trust him. That little Billy was Billy Graham. That little old man, insignificant to the world, is one of the greatest men in the kingdom of God. Why? Why? Because he took the gift God gave him and he just used it. And he got Billy to Jesus. Ladies and gentlemen, your life is all about the one. Your life is about the next person you meet. Your life is about the next job you have. Your life is so much more than what you imagine. At One Church, we aim to help you encounter Jesus. If this ministry has blessed you in any way and you would like to contribute financially, you can go online to imonechurch.com slash give. If you have a story to share about how God is moving in your life, send us an email at amen at imonechurch.com. Thanks for listening and have a great week.